I'm Katie Moon and welcome back to another episode of my series The Mad Moon Podcast in which I speak to other nurses and healthcare professionals about mental well-being and all things taboo. Today I am talking to the wonderful Dr Radhika. We talk about how she became a doctor as well as what life as a doctor is really like. So as always please prepare for some potentially triggering topics and colourful language. Enjoy! Hello Radhika, thank you so much for joining me on the Mad Moon podcast. <laughs> Hello Katie, thanks so much for having me. How are you feeling today? I'm good thanks actually, I'm really um, really grateful that the sun is shining and like I really feel like we're just getting into spring now which is really nice. I know, um, yeah I feel good. Difference. Sorry? The sun's a game changer isn't it, it makes a massive difference to your mood. Yeah definitely. Oh, okay. So we can just jump straight into it then. Do you mind sharing with me and the listeners what your current role is and how you got there? Yeah. So my name is Radhika. Um, I'm a junior doctor working in London and I'm currently a paediatrics trainee. So um, I've done my, did my F1 and F2, which is my first two years of um, training as a doctor. And then I decided to specialize in paediatrics and now I'm in my first year of specializing to be a paediatrician. Um, so I, yeah, I, I never really knew what I wanted to specialize in. And when I was at medical school, I never really, I wasn't ever sure what way I would head. I, I would stress out about it quite a lot, not knowing where I wanted to go in my career. And then I had a pediatrics job in my F2 year and I really, really enjoyed it. And I decided to apply and yeah, now in my first year, it's an eight year training program before you become a consultant, but I'm really enjoying it. And, um, yeah, it's great. I just saw your face drop there when I said eight years. Yeah, it never gets any less shocking. Um, obviously, it makes sense because of the the amount of responsibility that you have as a doctor, especially peds. Just I, I, I couldn't think of anything more terrifying than caring for poorly children. It just freaks me out. <laughs> eight years. So just to go back. So is it five years at medical school, which you've done, mm-hmm. then three years to specialize so no so so I did five years at medical school and then at my medical school you had to do an extra year which is basically an extra degree at some medical schools that's compulsory and at some medical schools it's optional so mine was six years but I ended up having a medical degree and a BSc and then you do two years of foundation year training so that's all all people that graduate from medical school all doctors then do F1 and F2 which is your foundation year training and in that time, you do six rotations in lots of different fields. It could be anything. You don't, you can kind of give a preference, but you don't choose the six jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're each four months over two years. And then after those two years, you then start specializing. So I did my F1 and F2. And, um, and then I've decided to specialize in pediatrics. So that's what I've been doing since September. So if we go all the way back, because I always like to ask everybody this, what makes yeah. Oh, I'm going to apply for medical school like at what point were you like I'm going to be a doctor I'm not really sure so I I remember being because in England you have to decide quite early on that you want to be a doctor like in other countries like America you it's actually it's always a postgraduate degree so you don't have to decide so early on but we're deciding at like 15 years old mm. what GCSEs we're doing and that impacts whether we can apply to medical school um so I remember applying, doing my GCSEs I knew I liked science and maths so I was happy doing those, but I never really knew what direction I wanted to go in. Um, no one in my family is a doctor. 
I have one cousin who's a couple of years older than me who was at med school when I was in sixth form. Um, but otherwise, no one in my family is a doctor. They're all into like business stuff. And um, I think, I don't know, I did some work experience. I, I liked the idea of being a doctor. I remember having some work experiences where they gave me like a mock into at the beginning, like a really scary consultant interrogated me and was like, so why do you want to be a doctor? And I was like, I want to help people. And he was like, so why don't you be a postman? And I was like, I don't know. And I was like, maybe I should be a postman <laughs> um, or postwoman, post lady. Um, but I think I just realized that I really liked the combination of science, problem solving, communication, teamwork. Um, there's just so much that so many different things that you use being a doctor that I really, really enjoy. But I'm not going to lie, I think I haven't really begun to understand and appreciate a lot of those things until I actually became a doctor. Um, and I think actually, if I think back to the reasons I probably said at my interview, they're probably quite different to whatever, what I would say now, um, which is quite interesting. But yeah, I just, I really realized that I really wanted to do it. And it, it became, it, well, I think for a lot of medical students, once you realize you want to do it, it becomes quite a, a, a goal and a target and everything you do is aimed towards achieving that goal. Um, and yeah, I, did a, I managed to get a couple of different work experiences and I really liked it. And I remember some of the doctors at the time were like, are you sure you want to do this? And like one of my teachers was like, actually being a doctor is really hard. Are you sure this is what you want to do? Um, my parents never forced me. They were always very supportive of whatever I wanted to do. And I think a lot of people have an impression that as an Asian, there's an Asian stereotype to be a doctor, but they, there, was, there was no pressure at all. I did everything myself. They just kind of supported me along the way. Um, and yeah, and then in 2012, I started at Imperial College in London. So I actually applied to four different medical schools because you can only apply to four. And Imperial was the one I never thought I would get into, but I thought, let me just put it there as like my, my goal, but I probably won't get into it, but let's just, let's just put it there. And actually it turned out to be the only one that even gave me an interview. Um, all the others rejected me before interview, but Imperial gave me an interview and gave me an offer. And yeah, and then I spent six years at Imperial um, which we can talk about in more detail later, but medical school was very, I found medical school quite tough in a lot of ways. Um, and I definitely like being a doctor so much more than being a medical student. So yeah, that's, that's my story. There's a lot of, there's a lot more there, but that, that's, that's the overview. Um, and then as well as being a doctor, another thing I'm quite active with is my, I'm quite active on social media. So I have an Instagram account called Dr. Radica. And I basically just share what being a doctor is really like, because I kind of felt that as a medical student, you didn't really know what it's actually like to be a doctor. And I didn't have very many role models at all. Like I said, there were no doctors in my family other than my cousin. And I just didn't really know what to expect. And my perception of doctors probably wasn't as real as it actually is. So I use my Instagram account to kind of show younger people, particularly medical students or aspiring medical students, what it's actually like to be a doctor and um, just the real day to day. And I try to make it as real as possible um, because I don't want people to get like an unrealistic expectation of how good it is. I want people to know about the, like, the things I find difficult as well as the things I really enjoy. So that's that's what I do. And then I also started a YouTube channel recently where it's kind of a similar vibe, but obviously YouTube is a bit more labor intensive as you probably know from your podcasting it requires a lot more editing and in, oh, like thought and stuff literally why i've not done it i've just completely avoided it and i'm every, yeah oh, you're on youtube i'm like no and i'm not doing it <laughs> yeah i know it's a whole it's a whole different ball game but i started that in january and that's going really well and i'm really enjoying that too so yeah doctor instagrammer kind of youtuber vegan plant lover 
<laughs> Indian Londoner. Those are my like headlines. That's me. <laughs> I will definitely link in the show notes to all of your pages. Oh, your thanks. Channel, definitely, because yeah. I know people listening will be interested. Um, I love about your Instagram the kind of like the little mundane things that you include I just think they're so lovely like they're my favorite kind of posts because I think a lot of medical students and doctors the YouTube channels and and stuff they're always extremely educational or based around educating and that's amazing mm. obviously that's, that's definitely needed but like your post about walking to that ward and the sunshine and how sometimes the midwives make you a cup of tea. <laughs> just even that though, that paints a really accurate picture of, of like you say, the day to day, the, the just mm. and making the most out of, you know, it's just nice. It just, it kind of tells people more than the educational side and the theory and what you need to know it's it I, yeah. I, I loved that post it's something so small but I did I loved it so much was that today thank you yeah I was at work yesterday and I, I think so I, there's a ward that I have to go to in the afternoon to review babies and it's quite far away from where we where our main ward is so every afternoon we have to go there and sometimes it's raining and sometimes it's really cold but yesterday it was really sunny and it was actually quite nice to walk across there and in your head it's like oh that ward is so far away I have to go there um and yeah I was just like oh it's such a nice walk there and the sun was shining and I was grateful that I was able to just have that two minutes of sunshine because you don't get that you you know like working in a hospital there's no windows you never see the sun you don't know what the weather's like everyone's posting on their Instagram their ice creams and you're like cool I've just been inside all day um so I just I think I try to just appreciate the small things and like be really grateful for things like the sun shining because otherwise I think they're the things that keep me going and get me through otherwise you kind of lose the motivation and when you're having a really hard day you need to hook on to the small moments like that to get you through and my work day yesterday was really busy and I was really tired and it like it was a hard day um so yeah, I guess that's why I posted that I don't it's funny yeah it's I just it was just a thought and I posted it lovely because it's just that reminder as well that it's so important to practice gratitude and it's so easy in the mm. health environment to get so bogged down with all the sadness and all the negativity yeah. and yeah really resentful about the hours you work in and you know all the you know being jealous of people who are at home and mm. I know they're probably jealous of us you know it's it's, it's kind of like do you know what I mean everybody's got something yeah. They wish they could be out working and we wish we could have had six months off but <laughs> kind of can't win but no it was really really nice oh, thanks. I just wanted to ask, ask you Radhika about um peds because mm -hmm. it, it really does terrify me I've only just recently had the tiniest of glimpses so I'm in an educational role now and uh -huh. I popped down to neonates to see if there are any newly qualified nurses that needed just a chat a little visit how are you getting on are you getting competency signed off it terrified me I couldn't even look at the babies I wanted to <laughs> I just was like oh, I could never do this kind of nursing so why yeah it, it's very different um I think well like I said I, I didn't know what I wanted to do and I always I've always always loved like being around children um I have a very big family and I have loads and loads of cousins and my dad is the youngest of eight brothers so there's all when I was growing up there were already lots of babies around because like his brother's grandkids um and I've just always been surrounded by children and like I I I then did my pediatric job as an f2 and I just loved it I loved 
there's so much I love about peds. I love that you get to be around children. I love that a lot of the time children can get better so quickly and it's so rewarding to see that. Um, even things like when a parent comes to you with, with a child that has something that you can help with without even having to admit the child, or you can give advice and you can empower the parents to understand how they can manage this in the future, even though I haven't had kids, but like, and, and they're so grateful for that. And you're just like making that family that little bit happier and making that life, their family life a little bit easier. Um, I love that it's so general and you don't have to specialize. You can be a general pediatrician because I've always really liked general medicine, but it's some, there are some bits I find quite tricky, but I love that in peds, it's just, it is very general still, but you can specialize if you want to. And I also just think the training is really, really good. Like, I know it's eight years, but that's eight years of seniors teaching you, eight years of you learning, eight years of you building up your skills and you're becoming proficient in pediatrics and neonates. So it's kind of two different domains that you, you learn how to manage and do everything for. Um, and yeah, I just really like it. I also think it's really, really fascinating, like especially on neonates. I'm on neonates right now. So I did six months of pediatrics and now I'm doing six months of neonates. And just for the listeners, so pediatrics is any any child up to age 18 and neonates is any newborn in the first 28 days of life. So when I'm on neonates, I'm there we have the neonatal intensive care unit, which has any premature babies or any newborn babies that are a bit more unwell. And then we also are on the postnatal ward if there are any newborn babies that are on like antibiotics or jaundice or anything like that. We also look after those babies. So now I'm on neonates, I only see babies. Um, but it's you do see some really interesting medicine like you see congenital heart conditions or you you just see things that you wouldn't necessarily see in adult medicine and you diagnose things from scratch which I think is really really cool like you're really putting your thinking cap on and really problem solving and diagnosing conditions that no one else has diagnosed yet because no one else has seen the child so yeah I don't know I just really like it um people always say to me they're just like wow rads you're just so peds and I it's so funny because it took me so long to work out what I wanted to do and then I did and everything just clicked into place and I was like wow this is what I want to do and sometimes I do have moments of like are you sure or like the lifestyle is quite intense or it's actually quite it can be really sad when there are sad cases but I just I've never been happier as a doctor than I have been in, since I started so that's 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 how I know that I'm doing the right thing and if it changes it changes and I that's the beauty of medicine you can change careers quite easily um but I know right now that I'm definitely doing the right thing for me so that's why I love peds <laughs> I'm so happy you do love it so much because you can see it you can see it in your face when you're talking about it you could you could just sit there for hours and tell people how much you love it you can tell like it, it's really nice and I think especially again in healthcare you have to be passionate about what you do you really 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 do um otherwise it shows and that's yeah. what we've gone about compassion fatigue as well and you know people just have had enough and they've got nothing left to give and that's when I think it's a shame that people don't recognize that because actually it's probably just time for a change and a new challenge yeah. environment um yeah but no take my hat off to you I could not deal with neonates I've approached a nurse and I had to look away because the baby was like really really premature and I was just oh. oh my god um so not to get too doom and gloom and depressing but you did just touch on obviously really sad cases and my background is intensive care, but I was mm. on cardiothoracic intensive care. So most of my cases were elective, like older people, um, still sad, still heartbreaking when they die. And, you know, when we have complications and we have to deal with the family, 
I can't even begin to comprehend what's that what that is like when it's a baby or a child um I'm just thinking without getting into obviously cases or anything like that but just thinking about you how how do you cope with that what's what's in place for you or what do you put in place for yourself yeah this is this is a really important topic and I think it is really um, actively spoken about in pediatrics because it, it is really hard to deal with difficult cases. Um, I haven't had, because I'm in a district general hospital, I haven't had too many, um, I haven't had too many really, um, too many cases that have really bothered, like not bothered me. I haven't had too many cases that have really like affected me, but there have been a few and there have been times where like I haven't slept for a couple of nights because of specific cases. Um, I think I think yeah within pediatrics there's a lot of support um and and especially the team I work with now that's very we we speak about things that we found difficult quite openly we our seniors are very supportive um the case I'm particularly thinking of like for a few days my my consultant was just checking in on me and I was like are you okay um and you can always talk about things with other people we we have a huge push for well-being at the moment so in our my current trust we do things like well-being breakfast just to like increase that well-being within the team and increase that openness to talk about things that are difficult um other i i also really really rely and lean on my friends and family just to talk through things particularly my medical friends because they do really understand it um and i just find that that really helps to be able to just talk through it um and accept like to kind of talk through it from someone who wasn't there and understand how you what you did right and kind of have the fresh pair of eyes on it I find really really helpful as well and I think it's really important just to learn to set boundaries with work and try and really learn to leave work at work which I can do sometimes and I'm better at it than I was when I started being a doctor but like I definitely still have times like I say when I can't sleep or when I'm messaging my colleagues being like, oh, can you just check on that baby? Because I'm a bit worried. Um, it, I don't know, it's, it's hard, but you have to set yourself boundaries and even doing things like making sure you take your annual leave or trying to um, make, making sure you have your lunch. Like things like that are so important. And, and I, I really try and make sure I look after me. Like obviously I do the urgent clinical work, but if I'm having a really busy day, I just give myself, even if it's 10 minutes, and sometimes people eat lunch in the office, but I'm like, I can't eat lunch in the office because this is where I work. And I just go to the, we have a really tiny staff room. I just go in the tiny staff room and have my lunch there for 10 minutes and watch the whatever's on the TV. But just doing things like that and giving myself that break and recognizing, giving myself 10 minutes right now will mean I'm actually more effect, efficient after I've had this 10 minutes, 15 minutes. So I think you have to really look after yourself because if you, my mom always says to me, if you don't look after yourself, how will you look after other people? And it, it's so true. I used to kind of laugh when she said that, but now I realize it even more that if, if you're not looking after yourself, you really do struggle. And when your patients are pediatric patients and they're so vulnerable and fragile, that, that really rings true. And it really like, you really realize how important it is to be able to be fully there and present to, to be able to look after these patients. Um, yeah it is tough but and I, I'm fortunate that I haven't had too many difficult cases at the moment but as I get more senior and as I have more experience and exposure I'm sure that will happen um and it's unavoidable but it's also part of the job and and you've obviously you're, you you'll have seen things that I haven't seen before that will also affect you mentally um and that you won't ever forget and there, there are so many cases that I'm, I know I'm never going to forget 
there's so many patients that just will stick in my brain forever but it's just it is part of our job and it's kind of what we knew when we started isn't it yeah um so yeah I don't know it's, it's a hard one but you have to be aware of it and then you have to be aware of how you're going to cope with it and like you're asking me now but I've reflected on these things before I've really thought what are my coping mechanisms and known what I can rely on and lean on when I'm having a difficult time and also just recognizing for yourself actually I'm not okay right now I need to like sleep early tonight I need to delete Instagram for the evening I need to have a nice bath like recognizing it within yourself is also really important I think people aren't good at doing that and they aren't good at catching themselves and realizing that they're it going into a rut so but I, I've taught myself to be better at that which has been really helpful yeah so yeah lots of things that's a massive kind of what you just said is something that me and my friends have been talking about a lot recently is I don't yeah I'm just trying to think how to articulate this but so when it comes to kind of self-care like you've mentioned all those things and I do them and I agree you have to make time to look after yourself which sometimes is just a bath and having that time to reflect on your own but something that you just mentioned um it's that awareness and not just the awareness but it's how you talk to yourself so for instance if you'd had a traumatic shift at work and you were sad and it was really affecting you I wouldn't say to you suck it up get a grip it's your job it's being kind to yourself so I would say to you Radhika that sounds awful that that sounds like an awful shift I can see why you're so upset I would validate those feelings and I would just listen to you and, and let you speak but we're not very good at doing that to ourselves and the NHS is amazing at kind of glorifying overworking it's yeah. insane it's like you get judged if you go home on time you get judged yeah. if you take your full 30 minute lunch break but I know I'm fine with you on that one I will really suffer if I don't do those things and it will have a negative impact on the people I'm looking after not just the patients but obviously as an educator now I can't give my best I won't be able to focus or you, you've got to have that downtime haven't you you've got to like you say look yeah yourself, stop we need to stop glorifying overworking absolutely and, and it's like things like when you feel guilty for being sick and you like before coronavirus in January I felt I, I think I must have had the flu but I felt really unwell for two days and I was at work I was working in A&E um, this was before I started paediatrics. I was working as an A&E doctor and I remember crying because I felt so unwell. And one of the nurses was like, why are you here? Go home. And I'm like, I can't, I have to be here. Like who will see the patients? And they were like, well, you're not seeing the patients. Look at you, like you're not well. And I don't, and I knew I wasn't well that morning, but I just forced myself to go to work. And I just, I, I really hate how guilty we make ourselves feel for not being at work. And like, even when you know it's well-staffed, even when you, especially for doctors, so we can have days that are really well-staffed. I know nursing shifts work differently, but we can have days that are really well-staffed and you know that actually they're gonna be completely fine without you, but you have so much guilt for taking that time for yourself to recover. And actually, if you don't take that time, it's just gonna cause a knock-on effect and it's gonna make you even worse later on, or you might do something dangerous, or if you're not well, you might pass it on to someone else. There's so many repercussions of you trying to overstep that but that mark um one thing my sister said to me when I was when I was at uni was she was like you always need to listen to your body and it took me a while to really understand what that meant but I really try and do now like if I feel I'm really not in a good way or like I'm really unwell and 
I, I know that the rotor will be okay. Like I haven't done this that much, but if you, if I know I'm really not well and they'll manage at work, then I have had to call in sick before. Like after I had my second dose of my vaccine, I did feel a bit rubbish and I probably could have pushed through. And if it was a day where they didn't have many doctors and I probably would have gone in, but I know that knew that there were lots of doctors in that day. And I was like, I, and I was working that weekend as well. And I was like, if I work today, I'm going to be a mess for the weekend and they need me on the weekend, but I'm not, but today I could probably just recover today and come in on the weekend when, when, when they actually need me. And I did that, but that that's been like a couple of years of, teaching myself that it's okay to be unwell and it's okay to call in sick if you're not well but we're just like you say we're just so bad at looking after ourselves and telling ourselves that we need to have that um time to recover and then we just burn out and then what then then you really are unwell and you you're mentally and physically unwell when you're burnt out and how can you look after anyone if if you're that burnt out it's just yeah it's an interesting topic and i think i feel like we're getting somewhere with that shift but it does sometimes feel like it's a, like working hard and being busy is something to show off when I feel like we really need to shift towards looking after yourself as something to show off, not, not, not working really, really hard that you're burnt out. Yeah. I think I'm the older I get, the better I'm getting at that. And I think it That's what I found. come from experience, doesn't it? Definitely. I finally understand what people mean when they're like, Oh, you've got no life experience. I, I get it now. Now I'm that annoying 31 year old that says that to 21 year olds, but yeah, it, I'm not, it's a, if I, I work at a massive hospital, there's loads of people. If I'm sick, I'm sick. I'm not coming in. Yeah. Whereas exactly like you've said, you said, I'd been the same. Oh no. Or you, it's like, you feel like you've got to prove you're sick. You got yeah. to go in to be sent home. Like, yeah, stay off. You're ill. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think I'm getting better at it, and I, I take very few sick days. And again, I used to kind of show off that, like, oh, I've, I've only taken three sick days in my whole life, even since starting med school. But like, why? Why is that something to be proud of? If if you're not well, you're not well. That that's that's fine. Um, it's rewarded. It's rewarded. That's why. It's like in the police, you get um like a yearly certificate saying how long you've not had um, mm. sick days it's literally like wow. you get an award but you don't get any money you don't get any extra annual leave you don't there's no actual <laughs> kind of decent reward it's just here's a certificate for never having a sick day which is yeah. weird like don't glorify that and I've seen people talk about the glorification of how we do that at school as well the school do attendance certificates for not not being sick and it's like why are we glorifying not being sick why are we not allowing people to have that time if they need to recover and especially as healthcare professionals like we know that more than anyone we tell our patients to, to sleep and to rest and to eat well why are we not doing it ourselves <laughs> it's it's so confusing and doesn't make any sense half the time but so Radhika, you mentioned earlier about medical school and it being tough and you said obviously we'll get on to that so I'm thinking that is quite a significant part of your life and something that we if you're happy to should talk about. Yeah absolutely I think I think it's actually something that's not talked about enough um, and I think medical school can offer me very glorified. Um, I've noticed it a lot on like Instagram and YouTube, there were a lot of medical students who were doing an amazing job, um, like filming videos and posting about life as a medical student, but it, it can be really, really tough. And I found it really hard. Um, and, and it wasn't something I noticed. I didn't know that my, my friends were finding it hard until we finished med school and we've spoken about, it. I've seen like 
friends I'm not that close to, but I've seen friends maybe like last summer and we'd spoken about things and they were like, yeah, I felt that too. And I'm like, how did none of us realize we were all feeling this? But I think we, we all go to medical school and we all have like done well at our, we've all done well at our school and A-levels and we've always like maybe been one of the clever ones in the class. And then we come to med school and it's, there are just so many other people like you and you realize how clever everyone else is and it's really hard to like um like fit yourself in that um and what so what, I, when i started my first in my first christmas time we had a mock exam in the january and i spent my whole christmas revising and like like really really revising a lot and then i failed this mock in january i got like 46 percent. it was the worst i've ever done on an exam i think especially one that i'd spent a lot of time revising for and i was so gutted and I just felt really like, what am I doing here? I found the first year really, really hard. I had, I remember so many times where I was like crying down the phone to my parents being like, I think I should quit med school. Um, I don't think I want to be a doctor. Maybe I should transfer to another university. If I didn't even know if that was possible. It was just an idea I, I came up with. Um, and I just found it really hard learning everything and being in this new environment obviously you're not at school anymore like everyone finds the beginning of uni hard and I think a lot of people do actually glorify freshers as well without talking about how hard freshers can be and the fact that you're not with your family and it's a completely new way of life and you don't actually have any proper friends yet um so there's all of that and there's also like what okay this is the next six years of my life and I'm finding it really hard already um so yeah I just had a lot of wobbles throughout and when I, when I was 18, before I started university, I found I, I was like really bubbly. I would like sometimes go to people's parties on my own, even though I vaguely knew the people. Like obviously I was invited and I, my friends couldn't come, but I would go and I'd be confident doing that. And like people just knew me as like, I was just called the bubbly one. And I, I just felt that throughout my years at medical school that just went away and I wasn't that radical anymore. And I kind of used to look back and just be like, oh, like that's an old me and that's not me anymore. And it took me a really long time to like realize something wasn't right. Um, I've, I've never really spoken that openly about this before, but like, I think I just realized that. Um, so some, I didn't realize that someone close to me was basically like radical. You're not okay. I, I just found that I was like, really, I would compare myself to everyone around me a lot. I would feel like I wasn't doing enough. I would be revising all the time, constantly scared I was going to fail I would literally study so much and like all year long, not just cramming at the end. And I would like say no to going to fun things. Um, I would like cry over stupid things or things that didn't matter. I would think that everybody hated me even though they didn't or like really overread into the, the smallest thing. Like someone not replying to a message. I'd be like, oh my God, they hate me or they're annoyed at me because I said that. Um, yeah, so then someone close to me was basically like, I think you should speak to your doctor or I think you should try and get some help because you don't seem okay. And I also lost lots of weight during uni and I, people always just complimented me on that and never really recognized that um, anything might be wrong. Like even my family, I love my family, they're, they're amazing. But I, I don't feel like anyone actually thought maybe something's going on here and I didn't recognize it. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's always my fourth year of university and I, um, and I went to my, I remember going to my GP and I was like in floods of tears, like just crying. I couldn't even explain why. And, uh, and then she sent me this questionnaire and I filled it in a couple of questionnaires. And then like two weeks later, it was amazing. Two weeks later, they phoned me and were like, 
oh, like, can we book you in to um, see, like, to have therapy? Um, uh, I was like, wow, like, obviously you hear about long waiting lists and stuff, and especially with mental health services in the NHS. But I think because it was a university GP, it was on campus, so maybe their funding is different, I don't know. But um, yeah, so like two weeks later, they offered me CBT. And then I had a six week course of cognitive based therapy. And it really, really helped. Like, I never expected it to help that much. And CBT is just talking through, it's not just, I say just, CBT is talking through like how you think about things, why you think about the way you think about things and your reactions to, to, to your thoughts, your reactions to things that happen in real life. It's really digging deep into how you think. And it's really, I think the thing, no one, well, I hadn't ever spoken to anyone that had had any kind of therapy, but the thing that I didn't expect was how draining it is. Like, it's so draining to go into your thoughts, to think about all the things that have made you sad, to think about why they made you so sad, to challenge those thoughts and those thought processes and everything you think and how you think, and then to talk about it with someone who doesn't actually know you. And I just remember I'd have every session leaving in tears and I would like, I used to, I would just like go home and sleep for an hour because I had such a bad headache from that much thinking. Um, and I it was six weeks and it just it helped so much. And I've definitely had dips since, mm. but um, that really, really helped me. Mm. And I, I think it just taught me a lot there, there are things that my my therapist taught me that I still think about and I still relate to and I don't know I don't know where I'd be or how I'd be if I hadn't done that maybe I would be the same or maybe I wouldn't be as happy I don't know like it's just it's you don't know but no. I'm so glad that I did that when I did and then I still found the next few years of university hard like definitely but I'm so much happier now I think medical school is just really really tough and people make it out to be partying and fun because that's the that's the like reputation that medical students have but I found it really hard like oh how is everyone partying and also playing netball every week and the president of five societies and also getting like papers published as a medical student and getting distinctions in exams and I'm like all I do is study and see my family and I really struggle and but then I would do what would happen is I would do really really well in the exams but I would be upset with myself because all I wanted to do was pass and it was like it was like I was so I, I was like I can't believe how much time I put into studying thinking I would fail and then I do really really well which is nice obviously it's nice and I'm proud of myself but it's like there's always that background niggling of this isn't what I wanted I just wanted to pass yeah. and it's a hard concept to explain because you're like basically like oh I did so well in these as and I'm not showing off and I'm not being arrogant I'm just saying like that wasn't my goal my goal was to pass my goal was to get 65% not 85% and that 20% difference of I just it was really hard to understand how much I needed to know so then I would just tell myself I needed to know every single fact and it's because I was so scared of failing because I'd failed that first exam that I think I then changed how I studied but then it went really extreme and then it really affected my well-being and happiness and yeah I just I'm way happier being a doctor like I think back to that Radica in first year when I was 18, which is like eight years ago now, almost 10, like I'm 27 next month. And I think back to that and it's just like, I'm so glad that I didn't give up. I'm so glad I didn't leave medicine, but I definitely found med school hard. Like I, I see pictures on my 
Instagram and my Facebook and I definitely had fun and I definitely I have like four or five really good friends from uni that I still talk to like I'm literally talking to them today um but it was just I, I look back and I just think of sadness even though it probably wasn't all sad and I feel so much happier now and I just think because you don't have that pressure of of exams and yes. socializing being a 20 whatever year old like you being in your young 20s is hard as it is like finding understanding yourself understanding how to live in the adult world um navigating it all navigating friends and relationships and yeah gosh that was a really long chat and I've never I don't think I've ever really properly spoken about I have sometimes alluded to it on my Instagram but like yeah that's that's my like story <laughs> Oh, I want to hear your story. So thank you. It wasn't an answer can never be too long. I think some of the things I definitely picked up from that is I'm I've had therapy. I've also done my counselling training. I I love therapy. I'd have it every day mm. if I could. Um, I think it's amazing. I haven't had CBT, but I've done some self-directed CBT online, which I always link to in my show notes. So I'll I'll do that again. But I talked about this in a show recently. Um, that I don't think I've I don't think is out yet anyway. But um. A, C, a little CBT trick that my sister told me when she was having CBT was when you're having negative thoughts about yourself is to say, who told you that? Mm. Because nobody, nobody has told you that. This thing you're saying to yourself in your head, nobody has told you that. And equally the whole, would you say that to your friend? And the answer is always no. Mm. And I saw a couple of other lovely things, sorry, that I'm just going to waffle about while they're on my head. So do you know you said about how draining, how intense um, therapy is and how exhausted you are I, I was the exact same I had weekly therapy for 10 months um, mm -hmm. and that was private so it cost me a fortune oh, um, yeah it was a night luckily I had a bit of savings because I'd sold a house but it um I the way somebody described it to me recently like going to therapy and I thought this was brilliant was do you know when you you're like oh right I'm going to start decluttering I'm going to sort that bedroom out I'm going to you know start rearranging my drawers having a little tidy and you think oh it will only be a half hour job you know just have a little quick tidy up but then you pull a drawer out and you find something you forgot was there then you find something from a holiday that you forgot was there and then you find some rubbish under the bed that you didn't know was there and it needs recycling and it needs sorting and separating and and then you've got to go through your clothes and actually think oh some of these don't fit me now they're different sizes or oh I'd never wear that and all of a sudden you unpack all this stuff that you didn't know you had yeah. and it takes so much longer and you suddenly don't want to do it you resent doing it and I just thought that is therapy that is exactly what therapy is you start unpacking all this stuff you didn't even know was there and you don't want to do it and you panic and you resent you resent it and you're just like why did I ever start this yeah but I've never met anybody who's regretted therapy or said yeah. it's the worst thing they did um and then another lovely thing that you met, I'm really glad you mentioned it about when you were at med school and you were comparing yourself to other people who were on the netball team, president of this, that and the other and publishing papers. And we all do that, don't we? That comparing. And this is another, another lovely thing I saw the other day about, um, and it really it's really helped me recently. Somebody was talking about um, like plates so do you know when you say like, oh, I've got a lot on my plate, mm. you might think like, what, what does she mean? She hasn't even got that much on, but my plate might be made of paper. My plate, mm. side plate. So it's also thinking of that, like we've all got different, 
limits and different things going on and I loved that don't you think that's really nice the paper plate one I love yeah. it I think it's so good yeah I, the thing is I don't think it goes away I just like I still do compare myself to other people and and it's it's really hard not to but I think you just learn to the thought will come but I've learned to like oust it and be like but this is why I'm what I'm doing is right and they might be doing that but that's actually I wouldn't actually enjoy that even though that's amazing I wouldn't enjoy that so I'm not I don't want to do that and yeah I, I and I, I do still compare myself to people like it it just doesn't I don't know I, I think it's part medical school just is very especially when you think about exams and stuff like it does it ends up making you compare yourself to other people accidentally um but now I think now I'm really happy in peds and I found what I really enjoy that that really helps kind of just be like I'm on my own path um and other people will do their thing and we're, we're all different and we all want to do different things at different times and it's, it's also just recognizing the other things contributing in that person's life and the, the things you don't see as well um yeah because there is so much we don't know and there is so much we don't see and yeah. we just live in this world where obviously we are, you and me love social media like we mm. met we wouldn't have had this conversation like it's yeah. amazing for so many things but unfortunately it is like you are literally watching the highlight reel of people's lives most yeah. of the time and yeah, and we've got all these like expectations, haven't we, from society, like that you're supposed to have achieved all these things by a certain point and a certain age. And I think it's the same for your career as well. So as a nurse, we, I know that we definitely do it. You know, you're a band five. When are you going to get your band six? When are you going to be a sister? Yeah. When are you going to be a senior senior sister? When are you going to, oh, are you going to go, are you going to specialise? Are you going to go for this? And it's just like, it's okay if somebody wants to be a staff nurse for 30 years what's wrong with that like yeah she's probably got much better work-life balance less stress doesn't have to manage anybody why why do we put this pressure on ourselves that we have to that being successful means climbing the ladder and earning more money i know i don't get it and it's also a measure of how it's also how we measure success which i think yes we need to change and it's not just in career like it, it, it's also your family life it's also your hobbies mm-hmm. and it's also your happiness and I think we do really measure success based on your career and, and your salary and things like that but that how is that a measure of success or happiness yeah it, it, happiness, yeah it's one of the first so, things we ask isn't it when you meet somebody or if somebody's got like a new partner or you're like oh what do they do yeah why why is that relevant like if and then, work in Tesco or if they're a surgeon what do you know what I mean that's not yeah it's bizarre isn't it I wonder why we we do that I wonder I wonder what question we could ask instead what could we ask instead of what do you do what do you like to do like imagine somebody asking you like oh like you've just select like obviously we've pretty much just met imagine if instead of like tell me about your career or what do you do I was like oh so what do you do with your spare time when you're not working you can't yeah. do that, do that. You always go straight for someone's career and work life. And then it's like we let our careers define us. And that's what I worry about. It's like I am more than just a doctor. And I don't want being a doctor to define me. There's other things I like and enjoy and care about. But I think I think it's because we spend so much of our time doing our job that people then define you by it. Because when you're awake, 
it's like over what 75% of your awake hours is doing your job I don't know I've made that up but it's a lot um yeah and I think that's that's probably a big reason why as well but yeah I I don't want to just I like I know my Instagram is Dr Radica but my whole point is showing you what life as a doctor is really like and everything else in between like it's not just being a doctor it's what I do on my days off it's how I go on holiday and how I manage to switch all my leave around to go on holiday and you know like just random things or like like I said like we talked about earlier like appreciating small things is so much more to me than just being a doctor but yeah it is interesting how we're so defined by our careers yeah so Radhika what do you like to do when you're not at work (laughs) Mm, well I like to I do just really like being outside I think lockdown has taught me to like just really enjoy the outdoors and I live quite close to central London so I like just going on really long walks um I like cooking I like like I have loads of house plants so they just make me really happy oh god Um, I I need your help then because (laughs) poor house plants I don't know what to do with them I don't know what plants they are for a start I don't know if they get sunlight this is my best one behind me oh that one looks good I know doesn't it I don't know if it needs a bigger pot now though but that's my most successful house plant (laughs) nice yeah they just make me really happy um I like seeing my family and friends um I was reading loads I was trying to read two books a month but then I started my YouTube channel and it's like I've replaced the YouTubing with the reading books doesn't happen anymore because I'm making and editing videos which takes so much time um but yeah I try to just do things that help make me feel happy and make me feel me and like yeah just I, I think lockdown has especially taught me just to enjoy my time with myself more whereas before I was always trying to do plans and be, be busy and see lots of people and do lots of things whereas now I'm a bit more protective of my time because I know it makes me happy to have me time and to have time to just like do my washing and hoover and cook a nice meal instead of rushing around all the time I think because work's so rushed I really value having slow days off and doing things at my own pace like I really try not to set an alarm when I have a day off because then I can just wake up when I'm ready to wake up so I don't make morning plans on my days off because so I can sleep as much as possible even though I do end up waking up at a similar time to what I would on a work day (laughs) sorry I said the same yeah my days off like my boyfriend goes absolutely mental because he can lie in till like half nine whereas (laughs) seven o'clock six thirty seven o'clock I'm like ping (laughs) I just want to like get out of bed (laughs) yeah and then yeah I just try and catch up on sleep and do things that will like make me happy that's what I do in my spare time <laughs> no it is not it's nice to know though isn't it so with, re- yeah. with reading I always love people um, who do like to read have you got like a favorite book that you will always have a copy of um well there was a book I read a couple of years ago at uni called The Chimp Paradox and yeah. so uh, I think my friend's therapist oh, recommended it I yes that one yes <laughs> yeah that one I love it um I think that was I read that when I was when my mental health was really struggling um, and it just taught me how to kind of battle that inner voice in my head and really calling it my chimp and and telling myself that it's not me it's my chimp and recognizing that really helped me cope when I was struggling a lot so that that book definitely helped me so much through through a difficult time. Yeah my Um, friend recommended that she's a teacher and she was like, you have to get this book. And I still haven't read it. But I'll tell you what book I have read that's similar. So I think all oh, sounds similar to what people have told me about The Chimp Paradox. Yeah. 
um, but if you haven't read it already, you will definitely enjoy Soul for Happy by Mo Gordon. Oh. Have you heard? Oh, of I love Mo Yeah, I, I've listened to a lot of podcasts with him, but I've not read the book. Oh, I love him so much. He's just, I love how he speaks. I love how articulate he is. I, lo- I just think he's amazing and this book's brilliant but yeah he did a lovely he's doing a couple of podcasts for Fern Cotton I think on Happy Place um I'll link to my favorite one in the show notes I think he's done one on Elizabeth Day yeah so that's where I heard about him oh I love with Elizabeth Day and it was amazing yeah like I think I listened to it two or three times because it was during lockdown and um I was just like wow that this has really helped me um so I'll definitely read that I'll order it straight away <laughs> so I love a good book I really like you though like with your YouTube channel and like since I've started the podcast I've just not made time to read a book I love reading I absolutely just love reading but my head is just spinning all the time with things that I need to do like I haven't even released an episode today because I've I've not had time I haven't done any editing I didn't get it ready in time I didn't send it to my guest in time to approve it so and then I do that thing where I beat myself up so I'm having to like really, you know, like you say, talk to you in a chimp. I talk to my brain who I call Tiff and I have to say like, oh, no one cares. You can release it when you're ready. It's fine. Like it's a passion project. Just chill. Release it when yeah. I have a chance to do it. Don't don't stress. <laughs> yeah. And I think also something someone told me once was I think I had a day I was I had an exam coming up. This might have been a couple of months ago. And I had a day where I would meant to revise loads and I hadn't. And I. I messaged my friend being like, oh, I had meant to revise today and I just slept loads and then I got a coffee and I met up with a friend and I feel so guilty that I haven't done any revision. And she was like, but Rad, you've given yourself that like reboost and that energy and you rested and like, fine, today wasn't productive in a way that you measure it with revision, but it was productive in other ways. And I think now I, I try and recognize that, that. Like, so for example, you saying you didn't get to upload your podcast today, there are probably loads of other things you've done today that right. already with it even being three o'clock, that are achievements that's what oh sorry I'll yeah. say that's why I've not I've not done a podcast today because I've started another business so yeah after so just so yeah that's really good that's really helped me actually because now I'm like yeah it's not like I've been sat around I work full-time at the hospital I've started a new business with my best friend which we've set up and got going this weekend nice. and, and I'm on a radio show so exactly I've been busy Brilliant. and even if you just rested you've still been productive because you rested. Like, I, I, I feel like we're so hard on ourselves um, to always be productive and to do things. But actually, rest is productive as well at times because it, it just rejuvenates you. So it's kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, but it, it's just recognizing that as well, isn't it? I hope you enjoyed listening and thank you very much if you have please remember to subscribe rate and review and check out the show notes because as always there are helplines websites for yourself to utilize a colleague or a loved one if anybody you know needs some support and if you don't already please follow me on instagram at the mad moon podcast get in touch via email the mad moon podcast at gmail.com twitter at the mad moon pod And if you do want to find Radhika on social media, you can find her on Instagram at Dr. Radhika. So D-O-C-T-O-R-R-A-D-H-I-K-A. Have a lovely week, everyone. Bye.